Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Today, we are going to begin our Lenten message series, and the preaching team and I uh, felt as we gathered together, Jason and Julie and and Bridget and others, that God would have something really special for us this Lenten season. Um, This series is called Empty. We're going to talk about how we're empty without Jesus, journeying all the way through the empty tomb on Resurrection Sunday. And so we're really glad that you've joined us here today on Sunday at the start of this message series. And today we have a really great opportunity to not only hear from me, but would you welcome my dear friend Tim McLaren to the stage, please? Uh, Tim is just a dear friend of mine and a gift from Jesus to me in the area of prayer and and devotion, and that's where we're going to start this morning is devotion. I'm, uh, I am, I I am burning. I, I your pastor is uh, in necessity of the presence of God. I feel that this season, these forty days before. Resurrection Sunday are a launch pad uh, into something wonderful that Jesus has for all of us. And I want to invite you in to burn with me for Jesus. I, I want to grow. I want to see more of the activity of the Holy Spirit. There's a woman uh, last week who was being set free from uh, d- demonic oppression uh, um, among us. And, and I said, oh Lord, that, that would happen more and more often in our midst, that we'd see people come in to saving knowledge of Jesus, set free from demonic oppression, body parts healed in the name of Jesus, addictions fall to the wayside, and, and ultimately what we, all of those things are great, but that we would see a deep, deep devotion for the person of Jesus and his kingdom. Because he's so worth it. Not for any other reason, just to be with him because he's beautiful and he's wonderful. For those of you who are not familiar with uh, Lent, or maybe you've, you've got some baggage attached to that word. Maybe you grew up Catholic or, or whatever. Lent, uh, to, just, um, to just put it plainly, it, it's a, it comes from a Latin word that means to lengthen our days. Or, or springtime is arriving, is a paraphrase to say it. And uh, that it's the 40-day period. It's just a period of time, the 40 days before Easter. And so if this is new to you, um, I want to encourage you and challenge you to dig into these next 40 days. Let this be a time where you grow closer to the heart of Jesus than you ever have before. I, I want to burn for the person of Jesus, that I would see him so much more clearly than I do now, that my heart would be formed to become more like his every day. To be filled with the person of Jesus, we need to be emptied first. And I wanted to share about devotion to the person of Jesus first off for the next 15 minutes. And then Tim is going to share about fasting. And as we enter into the season of Lent, I sense from the Holy Spirit that this is about... Um, Devotion to a person, not to a season, not to Lent, not to any other thing, but devotion to Jesus. And mainly I just wanted to use two scriptures today to preach from, and that's Psalm 91, 1, 1 and 2, and Matthew 6. So if you have your Bibles and you wanted to turn to Matthew, uh, Psalm 91 with me, that'd be great. If you don't have one, we have Bibles on either side of the stage, please Pick up a Bible. If you don't have one, we'd love for you to take it as a gift to you. And Psalm 91 simply says, Whoever dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Somebody say dwells. 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 
God is looking for hearts who will dwell in the secret place with Him. We'll get to that in a minute. So oftentimes we are content to visit the secret place and then leave. And as I was preparing this morning and for this season in the life of the church, I sensed that the Holy Spirit would be calling us to not simply visit the secret place, but to dwell in the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's true that no person, there is no thing, there is no pastor, there is no person who can give you what Jesus can give you in the secret place. In the Psalms, we're told, and Jesus affirms it in Matthew, that God, the Most High, dwells in the secret place. Can we push pause for a second just to um, try to wrap our heads around the reality that our Father lives in secrecy? That there is a place a lot of people think of our souls, it's this like little fluttery thing that like after we die like floats off away to heaven and that's really not what it is. David is saying our soul is this real place inside of us and it's secret and the Father lives in the secret place. God took Moses. Moses was like, show me who you are. Reveal yourself. He said, Moses said, out with it. I want to know your name. Show me who you are. What did Yahweh do? Before he showed himself to Moses, Yahweh took Moses and he hid him in the cleft of the rock. Why? Because the Father lives in secret. There is a secret place within each one of us. If you have a beating heart in your chest that God has designed you with, each person. And the purpose for this design of the secret place within us is to commune with the one true God. Every time you pick up the Word of God in the morning and you read Jesus' words, and you let Jesus' words fill you. There should be an exchange of nature that is happening there, in that place. And what you're doing when you do that is that you're actually constructing the very secret place where the Father lives. And so many times we're content to visit that place and then leave it. David says, he who dwells. The Hebrew word for dwells is really interesting here. It is, it's like the, um, it's, like the, it's like the floor plan of a tent. This word dwells or dwelling place. It's like a floor plan of a tent, but it's also identified with the master of that tent or that house. So think Scottish Crest. You guys seen those before? And it marks out the house of McLaren, the house of Dieslow. These, these are um, emblems. This word dwells means that when you get alone with Jesus, that you choose to devote your person your time to the secret place and the construction of the secret place that he marks you. He marks you there. This is the house of Jesus. You're, 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 um, you're signifying, you're constructing the secret place 
with the one who dwells in secret. I'm trying to communicate these ideas that are just racing through my head right now in a way, and I'm probably not doing a great job. But Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Check it. Who is unseen? Who is in secret? Wait a second. There's somebody else in the secret place. It's not just you. I don't know how many of you are like me, but you get alone, you get your cup of coffee, you wake up in the morning, you're like, okay, can I go there? Ezekiel, okay. And we're like, I'm praying, I, I, God, I want to experience your presence, and we're really giving it our, our best go. And, and so oftentimes, we, when we choose to be one to visit the secret place and then leave it, we often think that we're the only ones who are showing up. And that's not the reality. The reality is that as much as you feel you want devotion to Jesus, to the person of Jesus, not to religion, not to a church, not to anything like that, to the person of Jesus, the reality is is that he infinitely desires to be devoted to you. That he constructed Jesus, the secret place. It was him who initiated. God is the great initiator. If you sense any, any sort of devotion or pull to be devoted to God, you didn't come up with That wasn't your idea. And you know how I know this? Because apart from Christ, I don't want to show up. I don't. Just to be trans- transparent with you and honest with you, I don't want to read the Bible. What? Our pastor doesn't want to... Half, half of the room is like, hallelujah. Someone is like me. The other half of the room is like, how dare you? <laughs> My pastor doesn't, read the, doesn't want to read the Word. That's how I know. That Jesus is the great initiator. That if there's any sense of um, wanting to connect with him, to connect in devotion, to devote myself more fully to the person of Jesus, that he put that in there, which says about him, it says about God, that he cares infinitely more about connecting with me than I do with him. And that's amazing. You know, Jonathan Edwards is known for some real fire and brimstone preaching, but he wrote this one, which seems totally opposite. But listen to what Jonathan Edwards wrote. He said, The divine beauty of Christ bows the wills and draws the hearts of men. The beauty of Christ, that he wants to be um, met in the secret place. And when we meet with him in the secret place, And we don't just visit, but we choose to dwell with him, to just be with God all of the time. Do you know what happens? That secret place is not only a well of life, but it also becomes like this coliseum for slaying idols. A lot of the problems in our life And I'm not devaluing anyone's problems, addictions, past traumas, all of those things, would simply disappear or dissipate if we chose to dwell in the secret place with the one who dwells in secret. Because that place there, the more you construct, the more you have secrets with the Father, the more you have history with Him, the more He shares His nature with you and you share your nature with Him and there's a, that, that holy exchange that happens, that place becomes a place where the monsters of the flesh go to die. That place becomes the Colosseum where idols get torn down before the living God. And so I want to encourage you To construct that place. You were formed with it. Psalm 139 tells us that we were uh, were knit together. The Father saw us in secret when we were in our mama's belly. You were formed with it. And once you get there, 
I want to encourage us not to just visit, but to dwell. To dwell with him. What could, what could be better? What could, what could be better than dwelling with the Lord? Him sharing his secrets with us. His thoughts, his dreams, his destiny for us. What could be better than that? In the divine beauty of Christ, that's where the knee bows. That's where our wills bow. That's what's drawing our hearts. And the more there's an exchange of nature between Jesus and us, the more we want to stay with him. Because we know that everything else is just rubbish. It's just rubbish compared to him. It's just rubbish. Isaiah 45, truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. I know this might fly in the face of a a lot of um, churches that you may have visited before. Uh, They're not wrong in telling you that God is a revealer, that he, he, he doesn't want to be hidden. He reveals him. God reveal. He's, he's plain to see in all of creation. He longs to reveal himself to you. That's all true. But it misses the forest for the trees. The Bible tells us that God is hidden. The Bible doesn't say that God plays hide and seek with us. But the Bible tells us that the Father lives in secret. And if we show up on Sundays... And we're like, hey, worship's great, and I, you know, felt something emotional, (laughs) or, you know, that's like our standard for, like, glory. We're like, did I feel warm tinglys or whatever? When you've met with Jesus in the secret place, those things become, like, low bar to the presence of God, the very presence of God dwelling And if we just come here on Sundays for like an hour and a half and we're like, man, we had like 20 minutes of worship and we heard like this message, took communion, uh, prayed for each other, then we left. Like, How many of you know this is his house talking about dwellings? Vineyard Cleveland is his church. We are committed to that process where the clock is not the Lord. (laughs) The clock has never been the Lord. Lunch at Applebee's is not the Lord. Coffee with your friend at Starbucks has never been the Lord. Family get-together after church, not the Lord. Still not the Lord. The Lord's the Lord. Tweet that. The Lord's the Lord. Man, (laughs) deeply profound, Pastor. There's no one like him. And when we're committed to becoming the house of the Lord, being built brick by brick, our hearts knit together, it's got to be more than just a couple hours on Sunday. It's got to be a commitment of every heart in the room who says, I won't have life until I've gotten away in the secret place where the Father dwells in secret. I've got to have Him. I've got to have Him for myself. I've got to have Him for my family. I've tried everything else out there. I've tried, the bottle always runs empty. There's always more liquor. Right? I've tried everything else. But it's the deep well of Jesus that he's constructed for you and I to dwell in that gives life. See, he's the only thing that will give us life. He's the only thing that will give us hope, joy, peace. And as we commit heart by heart to devote ourselves to Jesus, to truly devote ourselves, we will abide. Kaylee, would you put that uh, Psalm 91 up again? We will abide. Abide. To abide with Jesus means to stay there with him. To stay there. Jesus said in John 15, he only does what he sees the Father doing. He only speaks what he hears the Father speaking. And Jesus is our model for this. 
Jesus says, my words will be in you. My words will be in you. And that's my hope over these next 40 days that we would learn to abide. We wouldn't just visit the secret place that we would dwell there. We would dwell in the secret place with the Father who sees in secret. And I want to commit to you, I don't know how it will look in your lives or in my life, but if we choose to commit these next 40 days, I mean, heck, our whole lives, but if we choose to commit these next 40 days, that there will be a blessing for you as Jesus meets you. You will come out of these 40 days a different person. A different person than who you were before. I guarantee you it. If you meet with Jesus, if you choose to stay, to dwell, and are intentional about devoting yourself to Jesus, he's faith. You know how I know you will be changed? Because he's faithful. Not because you chose, but because of who he is. And this journey to the cross, as Jesus is journeying the cross, it's not just for professional Christians. It's, it's really just not. The Lord Jesus has never called me pastor. Not once. It's just not my... You know why? Because there are no titles in the secret place. There just aren't. There are no titles there. You're a son. You're a daughter. And as we commit, each one of us, our hearts... In these next 40 days, I guarantee you because of the faithfulness of Jesus in this very journey that he took to the cross to willingly lay down his life for you and I, that we will be changed on the other side of it because he's faithful. It'll also develop a hunger in us for more of his presence. And this is where I want to hand it over to Tim to talk a a little bit about fasting. You guys are going to enjoy this. This is great, but this is a part of a huge part of devotion. And a lot of times we look over, I'm taking away too much. So go ahead. Um, before I talk about fasting, I just want to add two comments to what Evan said real quick. Um, if you think about dwelling, you, we all have a house, right? Hopefully, if you don't, we want to pray with you to get one but, and a place to live. But like your house is where you dwell. That doesn't mean necessarily you spend the most time at your house, but it means you start there and you end your day there. It's the place where you go for comfort. It's the place where you go for safety. It's a safe space. So if we're making the secret place our dwelling place, that means we're there every day. When Evan's talking about visiting versus dwelling, visiting is like I come when it's convenient. Like I visit restaurants because I want food, but I'm not there every day. My house is where I live. I stay there. It's where I go to get away from everybody else. And that's what he's inviting us into is to dwell there. It's to be there every day. And all of us have different capacities on what that looks like for us. It might be 15 minutes. It might be four hours. But wherever you're at, he's inviting us to that. And what he was saying about um, it's the place where idols bow, I just want to share that that's my testimony. I was, when I was in high school and early in college, like I just struggled with porn. I just wanted, I just, I wanted to get free. I knew it was wrong. I couldn't. I was trying everything I knew to get free. I was counting the days when I didn't do it and then was full of shame when I did do it. And then finally, I just started reading the Bible every day. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I heard a sermon. John Piper said that the reason you're going to this is because God's not your joy. And I was like, you know what? That is correct. So I was like, I'll just seek the Lord. And you know what happened? I didn't care about porn anymore because you know why? Jesus is way better. (laughs) He's way more exciting. He's way more fulfilling. He's way more fascinating. He's way more captivating. Like there's, there's no one like Jesus. And Um, So I just wanted to add those things to what Eben was sharing of just like it's true like that's that's the only place to go it's more than you being transformed you'll actually know the Lord if you're feeling like I, I feel like I know a lot about the Lord but I don't know the Lord that's where I was in college and then I actually began seeking him I'm like oh I know the Lord praise God and that's eternal life that's what Jesus said in John 17 knowing God is eternal life. 
So we, I want to talk about fasting as just like a, it's a way into deeper devotion to the Lord. And I want to, I want to start with some testimonies. Um, I did my, I love fasting. I know that might sound crazy to some, but I actually genuinely enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, it's not fun to lose a ton of weight and to like, you know, be weak, but it's fun to encounter the Lord. And my, I would honestly say from myself, I am who I am because of extended, long extended fasts. Like I would not be who I am. I would not be as connected to the Lord if I, if I didn't do it. And the first time I did an extended, like long 40 day fast was in college. And the longest I'd fasted before that was like maybe five days. So 40 days was like, oh my gosh, am I going to make it? And, um, I was just totally transformed. Like I felt so close to Jesus, like closer than I'd ever been. And how it went for me is I'd wake up in the morning and I kind of felt oppressed. And I was like, man, God, I don't even know if you're here. I don't even know if I like you. (laughs) But then I would start being thankful. And over the next 30 minutes, what would happen is my heart would soften. And then I'd start weeping just because Jesus is so beautiful. Just because Jesus is so lovely. And over 40 days, like, I was just undone. Like, you couldn't talk about Jesus and me not cry. <laughs> just because he's so lovely. And if you, if you ask my wife, who, uh, she's not here today, but that's okay. Um, but if you were to ask her, like, she, she, would note, she noted a stark difference between who I was before that fast and after that fast. She, she noted the the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I was kinder. I was more patient. I was more loving. And I was more tender. And that's just what fasting does. And so as we're entering into 40 days, I want to encourage you, if you haven't fasted, to try. To just give it a go. And we'll, we'll give you different ways you can fast at the end. But just, just give it a go in faith. And so I want to give a quick definition of fasting before we look at what Jesus said. So why we're fasting is it's we're emptying ourselves and humbling ourselves by foregoing food in order to seek the Lord and open up to receive more of the Lord. And food is important because Jesus said you can't live on bread alone. And Moses, the Lord told Moses that. He didn't say you can't live on Facebook alone or you can't live on Instagram alone. There's just a reality that... Your, your body, your spirit, your soul, your mind, they're all intertwined. And so like one of the words for heart in the Old Testament also can mean like the seat of your appetite. And so like the way the Hebrew understanding is there's a connection between your heart and food. And so when you forego food, you're opening yourself up more spiritually. And I can just attest to that as I fasted. There's one time where I ended a 40-day fast, and I just felt something close up, which was a good thing. It was like, I can't live this open for the rest of my life, but it was like, you're just opening yourself up, and if you've never experienced that, you just have to trust me. Like, it's, you're not going to find a specific verse in here that's like, when you fast, you're opening your heart up, but that's just the reality of what it is. You're opening your heart up to encounter the Lord more deeply, And uh, just a quick note on 40 days. 40-day periods are big in the scriptures. They're times of testing. They're times of trial. They're times of alignment. They're times of preparation. And they're times of fullness. And so as we're entering into a 40-day period, we're submitting ourselves to those realities and allowing the Lord to work on us in those ways. Okay, so Jesus talked about fasting two times. We're going to look at both of those. So Kaylee, can you go to the first Matthew 6? Yes, there we go. So this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and really, if you can sum the Sermon on the Mount up in one sentence, it's Jesus is saying, I want it all. (laughs) I want it all. And so in Matthew 6, he's going through three different um, activities that are expected of believers and that you can do, and the proper heart posture, and fasting is the third one. And so he says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in the secret and your father who sees in the secret will reward you. So I want to pull three things out of this. The first one is Jesus says, when you fast, everybody say when, 
Say it again. When. One more time. When. He says it twice. When you fast. And then, but when you fast. It's not if, it's when, which means it's an expectation. It's normal Christianity. It's not for the super spiritual. It's not for the crazy people who are like way out there. Like it's, it's normal. And that's why Jesus was talking about it because they all would have been doing it in the day. And it's just an expectation that Jesus has for his followers that we will fast. And some we've, Sometimes I think we don't do it because it's really inconvenient. Like, let's be honest. It's really inconvenient to not eat food. <laughs> like, your body does need food to exist. And it's, we get, we, I think we get lost in what we're giving up, not realizing that we're going to gain a lot more. And that we, we look at the cost and go, that's way too high of a cost, not realizing that what you're getting on the other side is worth way more than anything. Like, you would pay everything to get it. And so, so that's point number one. Everybody say, when. When you fast. Okay, the second point that Jesus is trying to make is he's, he's changing the paradigm for why you fast. So in the Old Testament, um, fasting was commonly done for the purpose of um, whether if you were repenting, so like when Israel was in a bad place and God was going to send judgment, the correct response for them was to fast and to pray, turning their whole hearts to God. Um, or like Ezra, they fast because they're wanting protection as they're going from Babylon back into the land. So it was more of like a, a mourning and a, oh, we're in a bad place. Oh, I need help. Oh, I need something. Jesus here is saying, when you fast, uh, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by the Father who's in secret. Jesus is pointing to your fasting to connect with the Lord on a deeply intimate, personal level. You're opening yourself up to receive more of the Lord. You're opening up yourself to receive more revelation and understanding of who the Lord is, what he's like, what he thinks and feels, what he has for you. And I think he's also pointing to the fact that like, and I think Lent falls into this sometimes because we get into some religious ruts of like, they were fasting in that day because it was like, it makes me more religious. It makes me holier. It makes me better than everybody else. Like, look at me. Look at my devotion. Look at how far I've gone. These people aren't fasting. <laughs> and sometimes, like, we can feel that way in Lent. I know when I was in high school, they're like, what are you giving up for Lent? And we're focusing on what we're giving up <laughs> and not the fact that it's to connect with the Lord. Um, and the, Jesus really drives this point home. The second time he talks about fasting, you can go to Luke 5, Kaylee. Um, so just for context before I read this, um, this is at a party. So what happens is Jesus sees Matthew and is like, come follow me. And uh, so he does. He leaves everything. Who's a tax collector. He brings them. Matthew brings Jesus into his house. And they're having a party. And the Pharisees are like, why are you here? Why are you eating with these awful people? <laughs> And, and then they, so he answers that question that he came to call the sinners, not the righteous. And then they're asking this question. So they're already upset at Jesus that he's not spiritual enough. <laughs> they're already upset he's hanging out with people. And so they ask him this question. They said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. So again, they're like, you're not spiritual <laughs> <laughs> we're way more spiritual than you and the people following you. You're the Messiah? What the heck? You're not even that spiritual. So you, do, you, do you feel that? <laughs> and Jesus answers and says to them, Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Oh, is, is, Do we have the next verse too or no? It's okay if we don't. I'll just pull it up here. Um, and then... But he says in verse 35, so he says, can you make the wedding guests while the bridegroom is with them fast? And then, and then the next verse he says, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then 
they will fast in those days. So he's, what Jesus is communicating here is this is the wrong hour for them to fast. I'm here. It's time to celebrate and to enjoy me. But the days will come when I am gone, and in those days they will fast. It's like the way he puts it is there's, it's not even a second thought for disciples of Jesus to fast while he's gone. It's like he's gone, therefore I'm fasting. Why? Because I miss him. <laughs> Why? Because I long for him. Why? Because I can't be as connected to him as I could be if he was standing here face to face, which praise God he's coming back, right? Like that will be a glorious day and we'll see him face to face and we'll have the Holy Spirit. But the reality is we don't get to see Jesus face to face. And he's saying in the days that I am gone, they will fast because they'll long for me. They'll say, I don't care what it takes. I want to be close. They'll say, I don't care what it costs. I just want to see you more clearly. I don't care what it looks like or what it does to me. I just am undone. I want Jesus no matter what. And like we do this in life with stuff. Like I, when my wife and I were getting married, I lived in Los Angeles and she lived in Montenegro. We were like 5,000 miles apart and nine hour time difference apart. <laughs> And we talked all the time. I stayed up late to talk to Sarah, who at the time we were dating and engaged. Uh, and I would stay up late to talk to her, or I would get up early to talk to her. And you know what I wanted in that, in that time? I just wanted to be with her. I would have done anything to just, like, sit on the couch and hang out. Just to be next to her. She didn't need to do anything fancy. She didn't need to do anything amazing. And you know what I did? I spent thousands of dollars to go sit on the couch next to her. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is inviting us into. Like, he's, he's, a, he's identifying himself as the bridegroom. And here it's talking about us as the friends of the bridegroom. But there's a deeper reality that you and I are the bride. That right now, whether you realize it or not, you are married to Jesus. And he's coming back for a bride that's pure and spotless and that wants him. Like the end of the age, it says that the spirit and the bride are going to cry, come. Come. And the end of the age, like if you read the scriptures, they're a tough time. <laughs> like you won't be able to buy and sell if you don't. Don't take the mark of the beast, which means we won't be able to buy or sell. Like, there'll be pressure all around. All the nations are going to hate us and attack believers. And it's going to be perilous times. But you know what the bride's cry is? It's not, deliver me. It's, come. I want you. It's not, fix my situation. It's, come. I want you. And when we fast, we're engaging with this. We're clearing out the clutter in our soul. And we're clearing out the things that we normally give ourselves to to say, come, I want you. You and you alone. That's it. I just want you. And so if you're in the room and you feel like, man, I don't really feel that way, that's okay. As we engage in fasting, you enter into that longing of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit already is crying that within you. It says in Romans that the Holy Spirit's groaning. So as we fast, we connect to the groaning. And so Jesus totally flipped everything and said, it's about longing. It's about me. It's about closeness with me. And then the last thing I want to pull from what Jesus said, you can go, go to the next one, is that there are, uh, could you go back to verse Matthew 6, 18? It says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. There are rewards. There, is, there are real rewards for fasting. There are real rewards for praying and going into the secret place. And the rewards are more of him. Like Romans 11, uh, Hebrews 11, 6 says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so what's he going to give us? Himself. More understanding in the word. More freedom. Other things. You could go to the the other verse in Matthew that you had up. And this, these are the verses right after fasting. And I just want to say that I'm putting these up here just to talk about them real briefly because these verses are informed by talking about doing good works, 
praying and fasting properly. Jesus is summing them up by this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's inviting us to say, hey, I am the real treasure. Engage in these activities, doing good, praying, fasting, to move your heart and your treasure in there. Like the reality is the things we do on earth, apart from him, are all going to pass away. They're all going to be, they're fleeting. They don't last. You can't take any of your material possessions with you. But the oil and the treasure and the relationship and the things done in the Lord, there are real things that will never, ever be taken from you. That you can, you can store up so much treasure for yourself in heaven that when you get there, you're like, whoa, I didn't know I had this many crowns. <laughs> whoa, I didn't know I had this big of a house. Like, that's a real reality. And then, and then he continues with another parable and says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light, is, light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And what he's saying here is, what you look at fills your entire soul. So change where you're looking, and you'll change what fills you. Which is, again, to say, get your treasure up here, not down here. Shift your gaze, and you'll put your heart and all your eggs, so to speak, in the Jesus basket. And there's no better place to put your eggs. <laughs> um, and then I, I want to end on, um, on this. Uh, and then we'll get really practical because we've come up we've come up with some ways to kind of help uh, us engage in this and not feel alone in doing it because we're doing it as a community, not just you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus and us and Jesus. But Jesus says in uh, Matthew 11 in the discussion about John the Baptist, he says, "From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence." And the violent take it by force. And the reality is, is that if you want more of the kingdom of heaven, you have to be violent about it. And he's not talking about like punch your neighbor <laughs> or like break into houses. What he sent, like what that looked like in Jesus's day is I want to be healed. I'm going to travel to the next city to where Jesus is and get as close to him as possible so that he touches me and heals me. That there's a reality that we get as much of Jesus as we push into. Like, he's not holding out on you. <laughs> like, it might feel like it sometimes. And there are seasons where he pulls away and feels distant to draw you deeper. But you get as much of Jesus as you want. And to get more, you have to lay down stuff. Like, getting married is a violent decision. You're saying no to every single other person for the rest of your life, uncategorically, so that you can get the fullness of one person for the rest of your life. That is a violent decision. People who play sports make violent decisions. Kobe Bryant woke up at like 4 a.m. in high school and was like, wait a minute, if I wake up at like 4 a.m., then I can work out at 4 a.m., and then I can work out at 11 a.m., and then I can work out at 7 p.m., and my body will be fine. That's a violent decision. There are things that he had to put away in order to be as good at basketball as he had. And Jesus is inviting us to make violent decisions to say, I'm not going to look at social media. I'm not going to watch movies. I'm not going to go do entertainment things. I'm going to spend as much time with him as humanly possible because I want to. And I'm not saying don't ever watch a movie again, but I am saying that if we want more of him, there are sacrifices we have to make. And you can be rest assured that he's paying attention and will reward you because he said he will. Um, so just real practical. One, there's grace. You can do it. You don't need experience. You can do it. If you've never really read the Bible, you can do it. There's grace to do it. Yeah. If you've never really fasted, that was my story. You can do it. There's grace. Um, and then I would encourage you, just like get a plan and just stick to it. If you mess up, don't get in, your, get in shame. Just say, I messed up. I'll try again tomorrow. Yeah. 
And we've, we've created some things to help you practically have handles and to walk with you over the next 40 days. Yeah. And just that invitation to all of us um, that I, I am ready to, like, burn. I want to see God have his way with me personally and with uh, his church here. And so I'm not saying that you have to fast this Lent season. Is your pastor asking, is your pastor saying that you must fast these next 40 days? No. no. Did you guys hear that? Okay. Um, but I want to burn. I want to be close to him. And so, yeah, the practical elements of this, what it will look like, um, we've got a couple of things for you to engage the person of Jesus in these next 40 days. Uh, the first is this uh, weekly guided journal for following Jesus. Uh, a friend of ours, a leader here at the church, Karen Miller, has put this weekly journal together for you to journey with Jesus throughout these next 40 days. They are to the side of the stage, and they're in the back in those little wicker baskets. Um, the next is... Uh, what we're calling 40 days of fasting or an intentional uh, corporate expression of devotion and fasting. How Tim was talking, fasting in the Bible is specific to food. But um, perhaps you sense God calling you to give up social media for these next 40 days or to, I don't know, uh, not be on your phone at all in these next 40 days. Who, who knows what God would call you to? Um, but we're going to be intentional about going together. Um, why? Because when we go together, we find there's, even, even in prepping for, for this moment right now, this week, and knowing that this moment would come, I've felt so much encouragement within my heart, knowing that I'm not going to be the only one fasting. Um that I'm not alone in it, that there's community for you in this time. The last time I fasted, I did um, 40 days with just smoothies. I just did smoothies. And when we got to Easter Sunday, Sarah makes a brisket, and she made this brisket. It was like balling. And I was like, I can just have as much as, of that as I want. And I was just like, whoa, this is amazing. And I was like, this brisket is literally from the Holy Spirit for me. <laughs> that was incorrect. I paid for that later. <laughs> it's like, go, <laughs> like, trust me when you're coming out of a fast, like, don't inhale Chick-fil-A for, like, <laughs> especially the spicy ones. I've done that one before, and that one's not fun either. Um, but... I wanted to encourage you, like, as you head into this, that this, like Tim was saying, it's not for the spiritually elite, it's for all of us. And God will give you grace for where you are. There's a QR code on up here that um, I'd like if we could just take a moment, and as we're, we're going to shut down here in a minute, but if you wanted to scan that, what will happen, and I'll show you here, Kaylee, if you want to bring up the video. Um, as you scan the QR code, is it, is it going? Okay, there it is. Okay, so you scan the QR code, and it'll bring up this landing site where you'll see intentional corporate expression of devotion and fasting, and there are different uh, options that are recommended, partial fast, complete fast, what they're calling, there you see John Wimber is filling out his what he will do. Let's see what John does there. <laughs> so John Wimber will be selective, partial. Oh, John's going full in. He's complete fast. And then um, there's a little space because what you might choose to give up or fast might be different than what we've listed. And so Wimber says, I'm going to be engaging in a complete fast, looking forward uh, to receiving weekly encouragement. And once you're done with that, you just hit submit and you submit that form. Oh, a little smiley face, okay. And you know your answers have been submitted. And as you, um, 
as you submit that form, you will automatically receive a daily Bible reading plan. And our small group has been working through the book of John together. And so when you sign up to fast uh, together with the rest of the church, you'll be given um, a PDF. I think it's a PDF. Is it a PDF? It's just in the form of an email. Yeah. In the form of an email, you'll be given a reading plan to encourage you through this season. The other uh, mechanism that we've set in place are Lenten nights of prayer and worship. It's a massive encouragement as you're fasting, as you've chosen to fast, to be in worship together. And there may be some nights where there are like three people here, and there may be some nights where there are like 20, 40 people here. But we're committing over the course of the next Mondays um, to meet in this room and worship Jesus together as we're fasting. And what we're um, hoping is that this sense of devotion and, and staying uh, in the secret place with him would continue. And so we've got the Lenten nights of prayer and worship that'll happen tomorrow night. First one will be tomorrow night. Um, and then on consecutive Mondays through the season of Lent over these next 40 days. And the fasting uh, slide, if you wanted to put that up again. Um, as I'm keen to say here, um, Sarah and I would never um, ask of you or invite you into anything that we're not already doing ourselves. And so Sarah, being the much more dedicated follower of Jesus than I am, has already started. Uh, I think it's because you're a one, though. You're like, fasting has to start. She's a one on the Enneagram. She's like, fasting has to start on Ash Wednesday. It just, it has to. So Sarah's been fasting since Wednesday. Um, today will be when I start. Um, you guys are welcome to start whenever. Again, there's, there's a couple of different things, uh, suggestions. As you click the QR code and you land on that page, you'll read. Um, God might be calling you to do what we call like a Daniel fast, where you're giving up meats and sweets. You're, you're saying, I'm not going to do meats and sweets during these next 40 days. Um, he may be calling you to do this like um, only liquids during these next 40 days. If you choose to do a complete fast, I want everybody to listen very, caref listen very carefully to me. If you choose to do that complete fast, you'll see it on the web website. I want to highly encourage you to consult your physician first before you do that. If you've never fasted before, and this is something that will be new for you, I want to encourage you, consult your doctor first. Talk to your doctor. If you've, got, if you've never um, lived under a restrictive diet before, whatever you're choosing to fast, please call your doctor. What are you going to do if you've never fasted before? Thank you. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so has everybody had enough time to, to scan QR code? And you can, you can do that back there. Um, I want to challenge you. Um, I want to challenge you. You, you might say, like, I, you know, this is, there, there is a closeness to Jesus that you will experience over these next 40 days should you choose to do this. Again, not because of your saying, hey, I'm going to fast and we're going to do this, but because of his commitment to you. Because of Jesus' commitment to you. He loves you dearly. He wants to be in relationship with you. We're going to move into ministry time. Would you guys join me in standing?